Hey, good morning. This is kind of a um, momentous, maybe, weekend for us and our family. It was 10 years ago this weekend that my wife and I and our 12-year-old and 9-year-old daughter moved to Fayetteville, Arkansas. And it was 10 years ago, not quite technically, I guess 10 years ago yesterday, but, you know, uh, it was our very first sermon. It was on August the 1st. And uh, we were in this smaller building, some of you remember this, smaller building on um, Sunbridge and College down there right next to um, Brahms. And it was really, really small and essentially, I mean, it, we could, it could hold a couple hundred people, but essentially had the equivalent of like a, like a, like a box unit air conditioner in it. And um, uh, well, <laughs> so, so, so I don't know if you know this, probably, you probably don't want to know. Um, but I'm going to tell you anyway, I'm a prolific sweater, right? And I had this really great idea, and some of you obviously have heard this story, some of you got to live it. Um, I decided to wear this gray Super Grover t-shirt, which I thought was like clever, right? Grove, you're Grovers, I'm now the lead guy, I'm the Super Grover, right? So I've got this great, but I didn't wear an undershirt, I didn't wear an undershirt on it, which was my bad. And so about 10 minutes in, you think about 10 minutes in, 2 minutes in, before you even start anything? This little sweatband right here. I'm just preaching with this sweatband. And it was, you know, welcome. You know, I just, you know, he's like, it was too late, too late. Contract had been signed. Um, and it, it, it's just hard for me to put my mind around and, and really remember. Like, you know, since then, obviously, lots happened in our family. We're not 12 and 9 anymore. We're um, 22 and 19 plus 1, right? We've got an, an 8-year-old. And our li- it's hard for me to imagine our life before her. It's hard to imagine those early days. And it, it, it all seemed very risky. Uh, the Grove Church was struggling pretty severely at that time. And we just really felt this strong move to come up here. And we didn't really know what was going to happen. And it has been 10 years and again, obviously in our life, some awesome things have happened. A couple of kids graduate from high school. We've now had one graduate from college. We got to add this awesome, precious girl to our family. We were her foster parents and got to adopt her. That was awesome. But then some pretty amazing things have happened here. Like we adopted a kid from foster care, but that's like one of 10 kids at least that I can think of. I was trying to make the whole list this week, and I was like, at least 10 kids have been adopted, most of them from foster care. And we've seen dozens of families become foster parents and serve our community in that way. We have given away over half a million dollars to missions. We have seen hundreds of people, at least for in the short term, do missions projects all over the U.S. and all over the world. Dozens of people have committed years of their lives and are still doing it. Some have been there six, seven, eight years committing their lives to missions work. And serving God and bringing the gospel to people all around the world. Um, we, have, we have developed what is known in some circles around here, one of the, the most significant and generous um, community care ministries of just really caring for and giving and serving the poor and the hurting in, in our world. Not, not to mention what I think is like, like, like the sleekest of, of the little food pantries. It's not a little food, it's kind of a big one. It's sleek, it's nice. And I'm telling you, man, everybody knows about it. Not only do lots of people come in and um, take food from it, but people we don't even know come and supply it because it's kind of this focal point. 
and we have the, we've had the ability to feed, I would imagine, without exaggeration, to help feed and help thousands of people over the last 10 years. Helping people with rent, helping people with utilities. I, would, I, would, I don't think I would be exaggerating to say that at least 10,000 people have come through these doors over the last 10 years and have gotten to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and to get a new picture of the hope and the life that they can have in Him. We've gotten to baptize a lot of people. Even more than that, have received the, have, have received the gospel, given their life to Him. Countless marriages have been saved. Um, broken, hurting people, people come overcoming addiction, people finding hope and life. It has been an incredible 10 years of what we have been able to see God do and with still a relatively small amount of people. The impact, the generational impact, the worldwide impact that a relatively small group of people have been able to have in this community, in this nation, and ultimately all over the world. And so, who would have anticipated that? Who would have anticipated that through, through a very small thing, something large and incredible and impactful could happen? Well, that is not a rhetorical question. There is an answer to that, and there is, in fact, an accompanying parable to go with it. This is exactly what Jesus predicted and what Jesus said was going to happen in uh, Matthew chapter 13. So if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to open them up, to pull out the Bible app, Matthew chapter 13. And to remind you again what a parable is, a parable is kind of just a story Jesus tells. It's, it's true sounding enough. It's not like, again, it's, there's not... There's not talking bears in them or anything. They're realistic stories. And um, they're realistic stories that are meant to tell a, a moral or spiritual truth. And specifically, usually with Jesus, he's trying to help us deepen our understanding about who God is and who we're supposed to be if we're God's people. And so we have here uh, two parables right next to each other in just, th- in just like four or five verses. But the, the point that he's trying to make with both of them is exactly the same. Matthew chapter 13, um, okay, I have different numbers here. I, I hope these, yeah, no, I, I, I messed up. I'm sitting here looking at my things. I messed up. I have the right verses here. I gave them the wrong verses. That's my fault, 100% my fault. I'm like, this says verse 24, but this says verse 31, and I've made a huge mistake. So that's me. Don't notice the tech booth, and just take the verses off the screen. My fault. Hey, it's been 10 years. You get, you, get, you, get, you, get a few, you get a few passes. And I'm old. So, okay. It's actually verse 31 of Matthew chapter 13. Don't be rattled. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. 
He did not say anything to them without using a parable. So was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophets. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. Alright, so this is a... Um, this is kind of one of those things that like, 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 like just on the surface, you know, you know it's, again, it's been 2,000 years, and we've talked about this over the last few weeks. In the course of 2,000 years, and all this reflection, and if you've been in church long enough, you know, you like, maybe you've heard this, and you kind of instinctively get a little bit of this. But just imagine for a second that you're somebody, and you've heard this for the first time. Let me tell you what the kingdom of heaven is like. Somebody plants a mustard seed in the field, and even though the seed's small, it just gets real big and then birds come in it. Or it's kind of like you're putting yeast in dough. And then you've got a lot of dough. And then you can bake it and make bread. I mean, it, like, it's... What? And, 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 and I, can just, I can just imagine, like, you're, you're, just, you're just sitting there and you're like... Yeah, yeah. And then he just, like, goes, goes on to, to say something else. But... The amazing thing about Jesus is um, he has this incredible ability to say something very small. Sorry. To say something very small and it have this huge, incredible impact. And so what he's saying here, I think there's a few things that we need to take note of. There's something very obvious that I think that he's trying to say, that he's wanting to communicate to us. Um, there's, something, there's something subtle, there's something subtle that, that, that we can take from that, and then ultimately, there's a personal application. Now, the, 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 obvious, the obvious thing that I think, hopefully, we can see from this is that the kingdom is overwhelming. And basically, what he describes this as are two different things, like a small amount of yeast or a very small seed. You take a small amount of yeast or you take a small seed, and from this small thing, whether it is a small piece of yeast or the smallest of seeds, and something large and overwhelming will come from it. You just plant this little bitty seed, and suddenly you've got this giant bush that's as big as a tree now. Or you take this little bit of yeast, and, you, and all of a sudden now you've got all of this dough that you can use to make bread. And so even though it starts small, its impact is overwhelming. And honestly, the science of both of those things are pretty significant. I mean, you just think, here in my hand, I've got a tree. But it's just this little bitty seed. And then you, and then you put it in the ground, and then it explodes ultimately into this giant tree. And um, so what he's saying is, is that the kingdom of heaven is like that. Okay, well, what is the kingdom of heaven? And it's this phrase that God uses, uses you know, he talks about the kingdom, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. And some people, like, when you, when you hear the word heaven, it's the kingdom of heaven, you think, okay, well, that's what heaven's going to be like. Well, it doesn't really make sense to say that what Jesus is talking about here is that this is what heaven's going to be like, because no one's planting any seeds in heaven, and, and I think too often, at least historically in my lifetime, the church has spent a little bit too much time thinking about what the afterlife is going to be like and do thinking about in terms of what God is doing, what, God's, what, what, God, what the hope that you have is, the life that you have, that all of it is future-based and none of it is present-day based. And you think about taking, like there's a field and, 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 and you're going to plant a seed in it. The field is this world. 
And the kingdom of heaven, maybe it would be better said for us in our, in our preposition, the kingdom from heaven, the kingdom that comes from heaven, the heavenly kingdom. We have this person who has come from heaven, who is bringing about a kingdom. And he plants something in the middle of all of us. And what is going to happen is going to be completely overwhelming. It starts small. It starts small as one guy. One guy just talking to, uh, to, to crowds, ultimately with kind of these 12 disciples and really kind of his close, really committed followers, really was never more than about 70 people. He could ac- attract large crowds. Miracles will do that. Um, feeding people will do that. Being controversial will do that. But as far as a really committed group of followers, it started with about 70 And then the Holy Spirit comes along in Acts chapter 2. We'll just call the Holy Spirit the fertilizer to the seed. And then this fertilizer grows and suddenly it's thousands of people overnight. And then it it grew to tens of thousands in the course of the book of Acts. And now we're talking about a billion people plus worldwide. And it all starts with one man. And again, there's, there's lots of different ways to kind of understand this this metaphor, is, it, is Jesus the seed? Is his death the seed? Is the gospel the seed? Regardless of the specifics of it, we know that it is the, is the person and the message of Jesus Christ that brings this about. And this kingdom that he has, we do not have to wait for it. And now we can start to get in a little bit in the weeds theologically here. And I, I, I want to just kind of I don't, want to lose, I, don't, I don't want to force the trees here, but there is this sense in which God is going to set up a kingdom where he is completely in charge, but you go out the door right now, you don't walk around and say, God doesn't seem like he's in charge around here. But that doesn't mean that the kingdom isn't present, at least in part. And someday it will be more fully represented in the future, but we don't want to be so obsessed with the future that we don't think about what's happening right now in the present. But we also don't want to be so overwhelmed by what seems like the hopelessness or the limitedness of the kingdom now that we don't have the hope of what comes in the future. But what I'm saying to you right now, that this tree that God has planted, it is still growing in its impact and its power. And, 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 and from a very small, it, it really is an amazing thing. Obviously, if you take, you, you put the Holy Spirit and God into it, it becomes a little bit less so, but... You have this idea that, that just this one guy born uh, in an impoverished family, n- n- nothing, nothing really good to, to claim about himself, about his life, about his, just, not, just, just a guy. No formal training. Gathers up some misfits of fishermen and tax collectors, outcasts, people that other more established teachers and rabbis rejected. Turn them into this little band of followers. And now the calendar is based around his life. What year is it, you might say? Well, he's, he's determined the calendar. So, so many things that he said are just now a, a part of normal life. We talked about this last week. The Good Samaritan. That's something Jesus said 2,000 years ago. This carpenter's son with no education, no power, no privilege has changed the lexicon in the course of history just by planting a very small seed. It's completely overwhelming. 
And I think that's what Jesus is trying to get across. That's his obvious point. It's small, but the impact is huge. But that's not all that Jesus is trying to communicate here. There's a subtle thing that I believe that Jesus is trying to communicate. The kingdom is overwhelming, but it is also unwelcome to some and comforting to others. So if I say, if I just said generically, the kingdom of God is like a seed, and when you plant it, a big tree comes. You're like, okay, yeah, that's cool. And then really only the point of that is something big comes from something small. But it's a very particular seed. It's, it's this mustard seed, which is, which is perfectly fine. If what you're wanting is some sort of spice, you're trying to raise a spice garden, and you think, I want, I want some mustard. I'm, I'm going to plant one of these things and, and have this mustard bush come up, which is great, except for the fact that this bush is one of those things that once you plant one, that's all you've got. The seeds that come on the thing, it immediately fall and build more. It will take over everything. So if you, if you really want it, it's a good thing because it's going to take over your entire field. It's going to take over your entire garden. It's going to take over everything. And you've got some things like some of you gardeners probably understand this. I, I, I may like this, but if I plant it, that's all I'm going to have. And so let's just say that you're trying to grow some other crop in your field, any other crop in your field. I am primarily trying to have wheat. I have a, 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 a field of wheat. One mustard seed and your, and your wheat field is done. Now you have a mustard field. That, 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 that is what Jesus is saying here. And so he's talking to people probably who by and large are not mustard farmers. And so it's a little bit like this guy goes and plants a mustard seed in his field. And they're thinking, why, why would you do that? What, 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 you're, trying to, you're trying to destroy everything? You're trying to destroy everything and replace it with this thing? No, no, no. Who, who, would, who would do that? And then it grows really big. No, that's not great. And then birds come and live in the tree. And maybe if you're like six or seven, and no offense, or you're like, you're like, oh, now there's birds. That's great. That's exactly what you want in your crop garden, right? As we got, you got all these crops. Nothing would you like. You just want a lot of birds hanging out where you're trying to grow crops. No, nope. birds, birds are not welcome. They are going to steal and eat everything. So now I've got this bush, it's completely taken over my garden, it's completely taken over my field, and now what maybe little bits of left are being eaten by these birds that I don't like. And so it's really big, it's really overwhelming, and there are some people, especially those who heard it, that would not have been particularly fired up about it. Because they, they had their own plan for this field. They were the leaders. They were in charge. They were the ones who had it all organized. And Jesus comes in and really essentially says, by planting that seed, by bringing himself into the world, by giving us the gospel, by giving us like, basically what you've been saying about God and life, that's just not it. And this whole field needs to be taken over, which is great for everyone except for the people who made the field the way that it is. And if you like birds, birds being there are a good time. If you are a bird, this bush is nice. And honestly, I think in the minds of the people that Jesus was talking to, we are the birds. 
We're the people that just aren't quite, you know, we're not, we're not, we weren't just, we weren't following their rules well enough. We weren't doing things the right way. The, the tax collectors that Jesus was too chummy with, those, those were the birds. The prostitutes, the fishermen, the people who were just, you know, just not right. We don't want these birds, these disorderly things, and this disorderly bush, and these disorderly animals in this thing that we've built. And Jesus comes in and says, you, you think what you've built is godly, but it's not. This thing is not something, it's not about your rules, it's not about your structure. It is about me, the Son of God, coming and giving my life and taking over everything. It's not about your rules, your order, your structure. If you do all the right things and don't do all the wrong things, then you can have this very perfect, comfortable, tidy relationship with God. It is God giving himself fully through his son Jesus. And a really big, overwhelming, untidy thing with untidy people begin to take over. And so it's welcomed by some, the untidy. And it's a little frustrating to those who feel like everything should be based on rules and orders and regulations. And in case you're, you're thinking, like, and so Jesus tells the story, and it would be a little bit like, like, like say we had a parable, or it's like, okay, so a daughter comes up to her mom and dad, and she says to them, mom, dad, I'm pregnant. Now, is that a start to a good story or a bad story? It depends, right? It, it just depends. I, I, I need some more information. Jesus doesn't give them more information. He just kind of leaves it to your own brain. And kind of who you are and how you think is going to be how, how, how you feel about this. Or maybe a better example is a wife comes up to her husband and says, Sweetie, we need to talk. Yeah, so, so, so how you feel about that, your spouse comes up to you and says, we need to talk, says a lot about you, says a lot about them, says a lot about your relationship, says a lot about your perspective on their relationship. And so Jesus says the kingdom of God is like something completely small and, disor and, and, and that it will take over all of the order and all of the structure and put something completely untidy and overwhelming in the middle of what you thought you had. And whether or not that's good news or bad news depends on your perspective about the way things are. And so this was great news to the people who had been shut out by the rules and regulations that the Jewish leaders had put. The outcasts, the non-Jewish people, the Gentile people. It was great news for them. It was bad news for people who who feel like they have everything under control. And it's the same thing for us even now. Am I an untidy person? Am I a desperate, broken person that I feel like is kind of on the fringe and I need something new to bring me a new level of hope? Or am I the kind of person who I think, actually, I've kind of got everything together and everything's just so and I don't really need... Well, then the, the, the invasion of that mustard seed or, again, the other one, 
the, 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 the yeast and the bread. Now, you know, and like the ceremonial Passover, Passover bread and the stuff like we use for communion, it's like, it's not real bread, right? And you think, why, why can't we just have real bread? And I say, well, it's part of the Passover tradition to not put any yeast in the bread. And so whether or not adding yeast uh, to bread is a good idea or a bad idea, so or, or are we trying to celebrate the ritual Passover or is a brother just trying to have some bread? So it's good news or bad news. And again, speaking to people who were significant, their brain just thought ritual, ritual, ritual. Wait, you ruined that bread. Hungry, hungry, hungry bread. Two completely different people hearing the exact same thing, getting a completely different message. And Jesus really, probably really excited that both groups got the different message. So the obvious piece, the kingdom is big, it's overwhelming, it's going to take over. The subtle piece, is, 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 it's unwelcome to some and comforting to others. And ultimately, the application point is that you need to understand that this, that this includes you. You are a part of that bush. You are a part of this big, overwhelming thing. And by that, I just want to make sure that you understand that theologically, that if you have given your heart and life to God, if you have understood that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins, that you are a sinner in desperate need of help, in desperate need of a relationship with God, and that there's nothing you can do about it. I need forgiveness, I need hope. And the only way that you can have that is through Jesus and his death and his sacrifice for you. If, if you receive that, then you are a part of this kingdom that God is talking about, this kingdom of heaven, this kingdom of God, this kingdom that comes down from heaven to us. You are a part of that. And I want you to be a part of it if you are not. If you are someone who is still just trying to st be religious enough, do enough of the right things, come to church enough times, watch church online enough times, read the Bible enough times, do all the right things enough to have my orderly garden. It's like, this is my... My family life and my work life and my personal life and my spiritual life and I've got it all organized just so and I think I've all got it. I've, I've got it. If that's you and you have not allowed the untidy overwhelmingness of the gospel of Jesus Christ to overwhelm the garden of your life, I, 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 I beg you to let him do that. To let him really come in and you be a part of this kingdom. But in addition to just this theological idea that, yes, you, um, you have a membership in the kingdom. I, I said 10 years ago that God has done some amazing things over the last 10 years. Half a million dollars gone to missions. Thousands of people have heard the gospel. Hundreds sent all over the world. Dozens sent for years and years at a time. Um... Investing and, and, and fostering dozens of kids, adopting several kids, bringing hope and life to this community. This is what this church has done. And I don't want you to kind of sit in any place in this room or sit anywhere at home and think that you are sitting on the outside looking at a group of people saying, that's really cool how they did that. 
Because I'm telling you, you are a part of this. If I sent you out right now to say, I want you to do something so big that you feel like it changes the world, it would probably completely and totally overwhelm you. But if I were to say to you, are there some small things that you feel like that you can do that do some good? Can you fill a backpack full of school supplies and bring it so that an impoverished child in our community can have everything that he needs? So it relieves his family of the stress of the expense that they don't have. It gives him a little more time to focus on his education and not to feel the anxiety. He doesn't feel the stress of having some 15-year-old backpack and, 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 and supplies that don't work so he can be more competent at school. So we'll perform well at school and the family can have a little bit more resources and you can break generational poverty by investing in a student in an impoverished school in Fayetteville. You can come to church and you can, well at least you used to be able to do this and we will be able to do it again someday. Or you can come to the nursery and you can hold a baby. You can, you can hang out with a toddler so that for one glorious hour, that mom is not with that toddler. And her soul can be refreshed and she can connect with God. And she can have the energy that she needs to be the mom, to be the dad, to be the family that they need to be. And you can invest in a small child and let this person know about the God that loves them. And they can know that God's church is a place of love and peace. And you have impacted a child, a family, and you're having a generational impact. And you can, when you're at grocery shopping, you can add one little bag of groceries and you can bring it with you on a Sunday or any time during the week and you can put it in there. And now a family who wasn't going to be fed, a kid who wasn't going to be fed, now has meals for a couple of days. I'm going to give what I have. It's not very much. It's just 10% of what I make, which I feel like isn't very much. But you pool all of that money together and thousands and thousands of people all over the world get to hear the name of Jesus Christ for the first time because of what you did. We made this thing where we talk about being world changers and sometimes I feel like that that's maybe a little overwhelming for us. I promise you though, you already are one. You are part of an overwhelming bush that is taking over that is having a far-reaching impact in the lives of individuals, in this community, in this world. And I, encur I, I want you to be encouraged, and I want you to encourage to keep doing it, to keep investing your financial resources, to keep investing your time, to keep loving the people around you, giving of yourself, giving of your money, giving of your time, giving your service. Because slowly, collectively, all of us together over a long period of time have become a pretty overwhelming awesome bush that is and will continue to have great impact. Let me pray for us.